left off on Thursday night. We were on 14b, right towards the bottom. And the Gemara was trying to analyze the position of Remeir, right? So we're not going to start that again because that's uh, going to get complicated to start again from there. We're going to start from 15a, test of Aleph, second line from the top, Amarish Lakish, okay? So the Gemara is trying to explain what's the reasoning that Remeir, Remeir's opinion was that during the sixth hour of the day, if you have chametz that is truma, that is in a state of tahira, state of tahara, I guess the right word is, it is currently ritually pure, and you have other chametz that is truma and ritually impure, you could actually burn them together. Even though through doing so, what you're doing is you're going to cause the truma that is not yet tame to become tame by burning it together with truma that's already tame. Now, the truma that you're burning is truma that would have to get burned no matter what before Pesach, but by burning it together with the, the truma that is actually tame, you're causing other truma to become tame. Okay? So the mayor said, I learned this from their words. Right? Now, it's unclear when he says their words, who is he talking about? At first, we thought that perhaps we meant from the original words of the first Tana in the Mishnah, of Reb Chanines Kan HaKayanim. But we're going to see that that's not so simple. Rish Lakish is going to give us another perspective as to what he might have meant. Amar Rish Lakish, Mishim Bar Kapara. Rish Lakish says in the name of Bar Kapara. Masnisan Ba'avatoma De'araisa. The case in our Mishnah is talking about where he was mixing together truma that had become tame with an avhat toma, right? With the highest level of toma, and it was toma on a, on a Torah level. Uvlada toma de araisa. And it was mixing together other truma with truma that was only forbidden on, was not forbidden on a Torah level, but with a lesser level of toma, with only a vlad, a derivative level of toma. Umaymi devrehem. What did he mean when he said, from their words, I then learn out to the case of putting together chametz of truma mea and chametz of truma tahira. Indeed, he had nothing to do with our Mishnah. He was not dealing with the rulings of the first opinion in our Mishnah. What he was dealing with is a completely different ruling of Rebbe Lezer and Rebbe Yeshua. And that Rebbe Lezer and Rebbe Yeshua was the source for the halacha of Rameir, that if you have truma, tehoira, that is chametz, and it's the sixth hour of the day, you're allowed to burn it together with truma, timeya, in the sixth hour of the day. Gemara says, which Rebbe Yeshua and Rebbe Lezer is he referring to? Hi, Rabbi Yeshua. Which Rabbi Yeshua? Ilema, if you're going to tell me how Rabbi Yeshua, this halacha of Rabbi Yeshua, which halacha of Rabbi Yeshua? That's none. We learned in a Mishnah. Chabas shel truma, sheneilad la safek tuma. You have a barrel full of truma, right? Whatever, it's a liquid or not a liquid, right? It is a truma barrel, right? And now you are uncertain as to whether or not it has become ritually impure, right? You're uncertain if the person was ritually impure touched it, whatever the uncertainty is, okay? Rabbi Yezra, right? Abeliezer says, if it is placed in a in a place that is considered to be makam hartorfa, in other words, it is a place where it's very easily accessible and people are likely to touch it and therefore render it ritually impure. Right? So right now it's not for sure impure, it's only a suffolk impurity. It is uncertain if it is in a state of impurity. Abeliezer says, if it's right now in a place that's more vulnerable, make sure to put it in a place that's not as vulnerable to getting touched. In other words, the fact that it is currently in a status of uncertain tuma, we do not want it to then end up becoming a status of certain tuma through someone touching it. And if it is currently uncovered, and if it's uncovered, it's even more likely to become ritually impure if someone could just touch it in the uncovered place. If it's covered, then even if someone touches it, depending on what sort of kli it is, what sort of vessel it is, it might not become ritually impure on the inside. But if it's uncovered and someone touches it, it becomes ritually impure. 
So Rabbi Lazar says, since it's only in a status of uncertain ritual impurity, now yechasena, you should cover it to make sure it does not become a status of full-on ritual impurity. If it is, Rabbi Shua argues in Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shua says like this, if it is currently in a place where it is considered to be well-hidden, right, in a place that's well-guarded and people are not going to accidentally move it, doesn't make a difference put it in a place that's likely for people to move it. Why? Because he's not concerned. Once you reach the level of, of uh, you know, uncertain, true, uncertain tuma, he's not concerned that it will reach the level of certain tuma. And if it is currently covered in a way that nobody could touch it, you got to uncover it. He's not saying you have to uncover it. He's saying you don't have to be concerned that perhaps it's going to become ritually impure. Once it already reached the status of, temp, of uh, uncertain ritual impurity, okay, fine. Reach the status of certain ritual impurity is not an issue. So the Gemara thinks to say that perhaps this is the source for the opinion of Rameir. Rameir says you're allowed to take truma, which is chametz, which is not yet tameh, and burn it together with truma that is chametz and already tameh. Now, Gemara says, well, if Rabbi Yeshua says you're allowed to, once you're already in the status of uncertain, you're good and you're allowed to expose it, well, then presumably he would also agree to Rameir, right? That's what the Gemara is essentially saying right now. The Gemara says, no, no, that's not so simple, not so fast. Be dummy, is this actually comparable? Hasim grama ba'ama hachabiyadayim. One second. The case of Rabbi Yeshua, he was not advocating that you should actually go over and make it impure intentionally. He was saying, you're allowed to put it in a place that it might get uncovered and it might become ritually impure through someone get, touching it. He never said you could do it intentionally. Over here, what Rameya is suggesting is that you could take the chumat, that is chuma, I'm sorry, that is truma, the hoira, right, ritually pure truma, and mix it together with the chumat that is ritually impure and burn it. That's actually with your own hands, right, actively involved in making it ritually impure. That's far worse. And perhaps Rabbi Yeshua would not go as far as Rameir. So how could Rameir say, from the words of Rabbi Yeshua, I learned my halacha? Not, not necessarily. Must be different opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Allah Rabbi Yeshua, different statement that Rabbi Yeshua made. It's not. We learned in the mission. You have a barrel full of truma wine, and it broke in the gatal yaina, in the higher level of the uh, the press, right? The the wine press, the tachtaina chulun. Now, in the pit at the bottom of the wine press, what is currently located? It is currently wine that is unconsecrated and it's not in a state of ritual impurity. Now, the upper barrel is is um. I'm sorry, the tachtaina chulun to me, the opposite. I'm sorry. The lower the lower place in the in the pit actually currently had in it unconsecrated wine that is in a state of ritual impurity. Right now. If you, if the upper level, upper the upper barrel of truma wine ends up breaking in that upper level of the pit, right, and it ends up falling into the lower place, and guess what happens? With the unconsecrated wine that was tame, what can you do with unconsecrated wine that's tame? Guess what? Oh, everybody, no. oh, oh, no. unconsecrated, unconsecrated wine that's tame, everybody on this call can drink it happily, right? First, oh. you make a bracha, and then you drink it happily because we're not a basar kohanim, right? And certainly today, when we're not we're not careful with this in, outside of Eretz Yisrael, right? So they will be fine. The unconsecrated chulin, right? The, un, the unconsecrated wine in the bottom pit that's tame, that's not an issue. We can still have benefit from it. Now, when the truma wine that is in the upper barrel is going to fall into the lower thing, what's going to happen is it will then become ritually impure truma. And it'll be mixed together, ritually impure truma, ritually impure chulin. Now, the chulin part you could benefit from, but the truma part you can't. It's going to be mixed together. You're not going to be able to benefit from it at all. What do you do? It's about to break. This barrel is breaking. What do you do to save this awful uh, situation to occur? So 
They both agree that if you are able to save even one revius worth of wine in a state of ritual purity from the upper barrel, you should save it. And if you're not able to save it, Rebelezer says, allow it to flow down into the lower pit and it will become ritually impure by default. But don't make it come in your own hand. Okay, so in other words, what's the question we are? Let's discuss the question. So I have my pit, and in this, in the upper part of the of the wine press, there's a barrel full of wine. That wine is in a state of ritual purity, and it is also only accessible to kahanim. Only kahanim are allowed to eat, drink that wine. Okay. Now, in the lower part of that pit, once the barrel breaks, it is inevitable that the wine is going to end up in the lower part of that pit. The lower part of the pit currently is comprised of unconsecrated kulin, right? That's kulin, unconsecrated wine that is in a state of ritual impurity. If the upper barrel is going to end up mixing with it, we're in deep trouble because then you can't drink it. Not a Kohen and not a Yisrael. The Yisrael can't drink it because it now has Tumah. Sorry, now it has Truma mixed in and Yisrael is not allowed to drink Truma, right? It's a Mises Fide Shemayim. It's a very severe punishment for a Yisrael who ends up benefiting, ends up eating Truma, right? And the Kohen is not allowed to drink it because it's in a state of ritual impurity, right? So nobody's allowed to drink it. So here are your two options. Either you save the wine and you're good to go you have ritually pure containers which you can save it in. or you let the wine fall down and de facto turn into ritual impurity or the third option is let's say you have only ritually impure containers and what you do is that wine starts coming down the wine that is truma starts coming down and it's going to land in the bottom barrel and when it lands in the bottom pit what's going to happen is everything is going to become forbidden so what you do is maybe you should take your ritually impure containers and catch the wine before it goes into the bottom pit What's the advantage of that? Because now the wine in the bottom pit that was unconsecrated and ritually impure is still permitted to non-priests to drink. So there's a machlikas, what should you do over here? And what just says, allow it to flow by itself, but do not render it ritually impure through an active role in the process. Rabbi Yeshua, Eimer, Rabbi Yeshua says, no, you can even make a tummy with your own hand by putting it into a, 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 putting it into a cup. Why does Rabbi Yeshua say this? Very simple. This wine is inevitably going to become ritually impure, right? We're allowed to say, I see the future, and the future is this wine is going to become ritually impure. So there's no problem with you causing it to become ritually impure at an earlier stage in time. That is not forbidden, according to Rabbi Yeshua. Okay? So causing it to become forbidden, ritually impure, truma, which you're not allowed to make ritually impure. It's going to become ritually impure anyways. You're just causing that process to speed up. And the advantage of that is that you're saving the wine in the bottom. Rabbi Yeshua says you're allowed to do that. Rabbi Yeshua says you're not. Gemara says, okay, good. So that indeed is the source for Rev Meir. Rev Meir says you're allowed to burn the, the chametz that is Tameh with the chametz that is not Tameh, if it's Shuma. Why are you allowed to do that? Well, it's based on Rabbi Shua. Rabbi Shua says you're allowed to cause something to become ritually impure if it's going to become ritually impure anyways. What's the connection? Connection is like this. When you have Truma, that is going to be burnt inevitably because it is chametz Truma and it is past the sixth hour of the day, right? Already, I'm sorry, in the sixth hour of the day, it is going to get burnt in the next hour, right? So you're allowed to mix it together with Tamei Truma. And it's not a big deal because it's going to get burnt anyways, no matter what. So what's the issue to mix it together? That is Rabbi Yeshua. I'm sorry, that is Rameyer's position based on the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Yomar says, if so, Well, that's only really the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Why is, why is Rameyer saying I'm basing it on their opinion? Divrehem, their opinion. Not Divrehem. Midvarov, Mibrele. He's basing it on one Tana's opinion. Only on Rabbi Yeshua's opinion, not Rabbi Yashua. This is what it really means to say. 
From the fact that Rabbi Lezer and Yeshua disputed this matter. From that dispute, I was able to glean, Lamanu, I was able to glean what the halacha is. That when it comes to Erev Pesach, once you get into the six hour day, you have that truma, which is chametz, and tahar, you're allowed to burn it together with the truma, which is chametz, and chametz. Take it on me. I'll bring you a proof that when, when Rabbi Meir and our Mishnah says from their words, he's referring to the machalikas between Rabbi Lezer and Yeshua, the Kani, as we learned. Maidu Rabbi Lezer of Yeshua. Rabbi Lezer agrees to Rabbi Yeshua. Now, you wouldn't say Rabbi Lezer agrees to Rabbi Yeshua unless it's part of this dispute that they were having. So it's okay to say Divrahem when what your, your, your position is based on what came out of their machalikas. Shemamina, indeed we say. So to Rabbi Nachman said the name of Rabbi Rabbi our mission is talking about a case where it was an avatoma on a Torah level. Uvlada toma de araisa, and it is a vlada toma, the derivative of toma on a Torah level. Umaymi devreim, and what does it mean from their words? From the words of Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua. That is what the halacha is. Okay? So he said the same exact understanding as the previous Amaira. So the Shlakish and Rav Nachman said in the name of Rabbi Barabua, this is the idea. For a mayor, it is based on the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua by the case of the wine barrel. And that is the source how you should burn the Truma Tameya together with the Truma Tahira on Pesach when it is ready in the six hours again. Where now is going to ask a question. Rabbi asked the question of Nachman. Rabbi says back to Rameir, This is a famous uh, phrase that we use in, in, uh, in the Gemara and that we use elsewhere as well. That the Nidoin, the question at hand, is not similar to the proof, right? It's a way of saying that you're comparing apples and oranges, right? You can't bring me a proof from something that's not, not really comparable. Why? When our sages were testifying, what did they testify on? If they were talking about a case where it was meat that became tame from touching something that was a second degree of tuma, or not second degree, literally means the child degree of tuma, but it means not the original source, but rather secondary source. Shesarf and I say that everybody agrees that you burn it together with meat that even became Tomei with the highest level of Tomei, with the first degree of Tomei. Well, okay, they're both Tomei, so fine. Okay, but there it makes sense that you could say that you could burn both them together. They're ultimately, they're both Tomei on a Torah level. But if we're talking about oil that became Tomei through access to a Tulyim, uh, someone has already gone to the mikvah, but it has passed away for nightfall to become ritually pure. But over there, they say that you could light it using a lamp that is what? A light, a lamp that itself is nitma batame mace, that is already ritually impure with the status of tame mace. The status of, um, of someone who touched it was the highest level of tama. Is that possible? Is that tama? You can't compare the two cases. The case over there, he's even willing to go so far as to say that if you have truma, and the truma itself is only tame mi derabana, right? And still you're going to allow you to touch the truma that is only tamei midrabana, that oil, to touch it into a lamp that is tamei on a deraisa level, that's not comparable. There, one case is darabana, one case is deraisa. You're raising it from a darabana to a deraisa. That's more problematic than doing two different levels of the deraisa issue. We also agree that if it comes to truma, once truma it becomes ritually impure on a Torah level, you could burn it together with any other level of ritual, ritually impure truma. That's not an issue. But who told you that you could actually burn something which is in a status of tuluya? Tuluya means to be suspended. In other words, we are currently uncertain whether or not this is in a state of ritual impurity, right? Have told you you could burn it with something that is certainly tame. 
maybe the Leo Navi will come and tell us that indeed it's really Tahar. And the Leo Navi tells us it's really Tahar. That means that Klape Shmaya Galia, which is a way to say in Mara language, that as far as God is concerned, as far as the heavens is concerned, in the eyes of the heavens, indeed, in truth, this is really still Tahar. If it's really still Tahar, how are you going to get away with taking something that's in truth Tahar and mixing with something that is Tameh? That's not, that's not cool. How are you going to do that? In other words, you cannot compare a case where something is in a state of suspended ritual impurity, where we're uncertain if it's ritually impure, to making it certainly ritually impure, to a case where something is ritually impure and something else is ritually impure, both impure on a Torah level. And now you're mixing those two together. That's not comparable. Let's continue. Turning the page. Ha-pigl, ba-neser, ba-tameh. Ha-pigl. Okay, so pigl, this is into the, we're back to Kachim question. Okay, so Kachim goes like this. Pigl means when a kayin does the shechita, does the shechita or any part of the, um, the avoida, right, any part of the service that is done with a carbon. And when he does it, he has in mind that he's going to be uh, sprinkling it after the time period that you can sprinkle it or eating it after the time period that you could eat it. When you do that, you render that meat ritually unable to be eaten. It has to be burnt. Meat that has been left over past the sacrificial meat that's been left over past the time when it could be eaten has to be burnt. Or if it can ritually impure. says you cannot burn them all together. Even though they all have an obligation to get burnt. Right? You're going to throw them all in the fire. Don't throw them all in the fire at the same time. Because then what you're going to do is you're going to be causing meat that is not ritually impure. It is it is ultimately kaidesh meat. It is holy meat. And you're causing it to become ritually impure. You have to burn it, but don't burn it at the same time. Because then you're causing it to become ritually impure. What does Basel say? Basel Aimim. The Srafan Gahas, right? They argue, and you could burn it all at the same time. We're not concerned. The Isakadaitachne, if you would think to say Remeyer Midivri Bishua come here. Remeyer is really only going based on the opinion of Bishua. If you go back to the Mishnah, when Rabbi Yaisi is responding to Rabbi Yeshua, he says, He says, you can't compare the two cases. And he seems to be comparing, he seems to be asking, based on the opinion of right? Now, we just established that Rabbi Meir's position was not based on Rabbi Yaisi, who was the first time in the Mishnah. It was rather based on the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. So why is Rabbi Yaisi addressing Rabbi Meir from the fact that Rechanina Skanakehanim is not like what he said. Well, he doesn't care about that. He's only never going like Rechanina Skanakehanim. He was always going like the position of Rabbi Yeshua in this other Mishnah about the wine that is Truma and the wine that is Tchulin, that is Tameh. That was always his source. He was never working with the first opinion in the Mishnah, according to Rishlach Kishen of Nachman Baragua. Amalir of Nachman, so of Nachman responds like this. Rabbi Yeshi, he didn't understand what Rameir meant. He thought Rameir indeed meant to say, based on the opinion of Chaninus Kehanim. And therefore, he said, one second, that's not, that's not what's going on here. He thought Remeir was indeed coming off the opinion of Chaninus Kehanim, Chaninus, the assistant of the Kehanim. And he said back to him, I know, Major Bishua coming So Remeir said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going with the opinion of Bishua. What does Chaninus Kehanim have to do with, right, the price of tea in China? And Rabbi Yaisi says back to him, even if you're right and you're going according to Yeshua, you're still in trouble. Why? This is not going to work. You can't compare these two cases. Actually, both agree that if it comes to actually burning things together, then you have to burn them separately. You have two different things that are both Tameh, burn them separately. Okay? So if you have two different things that are Tameh, you burn them separately. What are you bringing me a proof from the from the case of where Rabbi Yeshua allows you to make ritually impure truma that would anyways become ritually impure. That's not a proof 
the actual case that you're talking about is burning things which are not tame with things that are tame. And Rabbi Shua himself agrees that you cannot burn things which are tame with things which are tame on different levels. If they're both tame, you still have to burn them separately. That's Rabbi Shua's opinion. Rabbi Shua himself does not agree to your stage at all. Gemara says, Why indeed is this not comparable? Indeed, it is very comparable. Why is it comparable? Like this. Gemara thinks to say is like this. The case of the wine in the, in the, in the top barrel, okay? that wine is currently tahor. It's truma, right? It is meant for only kahanim, but it is currently um, tahor, right? It's currently in a state of ritual purity. However, it's going to end up getting lost you know, irredeemably when it, when it goes into the lower level. And therefore, Rabbi Yeshua says you're allowed to render it ritually impure now so as to save the lower wine from becoming completely forbidden, okay? So that actually is a comparable case. You're making something ritually impure, right? That is not yet ritually impure. You're making it ritually impure for the sake of protecting something else. Gemara then says, I don't understand. That's the case where you're actually protecting something. Shani, Hassam, it's different over there. You're, what you're doing over there, the reason why Rabbi Shua permitted you to actually render it ritually impure before it became ritually impure is because through doing so, you're going to protect the value of the wine that is currently unconsecrated and is currently able to be drunk by a non by a non kohen right? How can you compare that to this case? The Gemara asks, No, one second. Even in our Mishnah, what we have is the, the problem of Hafsid Eitzim. When you burn together the, these two different types of chametz, what you're going to cause is, if you burn them at the same time, you're not using that much wood, right? So if you're using more wood by burning them separately, so the same way you said that, Rabbi Shua said that you're permitted to actually render the truma ritually impure earlier than it would have become rendered tamay, right? To save the chulin wine. Maybe you're also permitted to mix together the two different types of chametz, the tamay chametz and the, the tahar chametz, at the same time, because you're going to be saving the price of the wood. And the elderly gentleman said, okay, let's be clear. When we talk about doing this kind of thing and making things ritually impure right before they would be anyways become ritually impure, we only are allowed to do that when you're talking about a big loss of money, right? When you're talking about small losses of money, you're not permitted to do that. It's like this. The machlekas between Remeyer and Rabiesi as to whether or not you can mix together the truma, which is in a state of ritual purity in the sixth hour, with truma that is in a state of ritual impurity in the sixth hour for the sake of burning it all, that's only true in the sixth hour. However, once you get to the seventh hour, everybody agrees, since now you have to burn it on a Torah level, indeed, you mix them all together, and that's okay, even Rabiesi agrees. Amalei Rabzeir Labasi. Rabzeir says to Rabasi, is that to say that that um, Rameir, I'm sorry, Rabbi Echanan then must be holding that our Mishnah is talking about a case where the Avatoma was the tuma, the 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 um, part of this truma was tame on a Torah level with the highest level of tuma, and the second part of the truma was only tame on midrabanan, right? Umay midivrayim, and therefore, what are you going to say that when he says midivrayim from their words, I learned? Indeed, you're going like the like the Gemara that's really the end of yesterday's Gemara that we didn't do tonight. Hopefully, you guys did it earlier, which was to explain that the position of a mayor indeed is based on Rebbeinu Kan Hakehanim in the first case of the Mishnah. Amalei is set back in Rebbeinu indeed learned the Mishnah that mayor is indeed based in his position on Rebbeinu Kan Hakehanim. So indeed, it's really a machlekes Amalei as to what was the source for a mayor's halacha that you can mix together these two different types of. Itmar Nami, we also stated like this as well. Amr Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon said, 
And the second part, the second part of the uh, the truma is only forbidden on a rabbinic level, on a derivative level. When we say from their words we have learned, what is it referring to? From the words of and the is in the sixth hour. Straight out in the seventh hour, he said, number one, the, the position of Rameir is based on the position of Rabbi Yeshua of Rabbi in the beginning of the Mishnah. And indeed, Rabbi Yeshua agrees to Rameir that in the seventh hour, you are indeed permitted to burn it all together. Let's come bring a proof from a Brisa. A pigel the pigel, which is the stuff that the Payan has in mind, the improper time period of eating, improper time period of sprinkling, right? And he has that while he is shechting the animal, the halacha is it becomes forbidden to eat it. Or nicer, meat which is left over past its time period, or meat which Kaidish meat, meat which is holy but became ritually impure. What's the halacha? You don't burn it all together. Basil says, I'm, I'm not concerned with the fact that your causing things to become ritually impure. Once you have an <laughs> obligation to burn all of it, it doesn't make a difference, right? The only time we do not want to make things ritually impure is if right now you don't have to burn it at all. And then if you make it ritually impure, you're going to have to burn it. Then you're not allowed to do that. Basil says, once you have to burn all of it, it doesn't make a difference to me that I'm also going to render it ritually impure during the burning process. Shani Hassam, that's not necessarily a proof to Reb Mayor in our Mishnah according to the view of Reb The Islu Tumma Midrabanan. Over there, they are Tommy Midrabanan. It's not. A pigal and nicer, metamen esiadayim. Pigal and nicer indeed are already Tommy on a rabbinic level, right? So pigal and nicer, which are the two different types of kachim meat, that is, you're not allowed to eat it, you have to burn it. It's not Tommy on a Torah level, but it is Tommy on a rabbinic level. So maybe over there, Beis Hillel says, you're allowed to mix them together. It's already Tommy on a rabbinic level. But maybe where it's not Tommy at all, not on a rabbinic level, not on a Torah level, maybe he would indeed argue and say that, no, you cannot mix them together when we're talking about the chametz on Erev Pesach. Come here, another proof from a different price. You have bread that has become moldy. And it can no longer be eaten by man because it's gross already. However, for, ant, for dogs, they'd still be willing to eat it. It will render food ritually impure if it is the size of an egg. <clears throat> right? And it can be burnt together with a loaf of bread that is tame on Pesach, right? even if it is truma. Right? This seems to be a prash. He says, this is even the position of Rabbi Yesi. In other words, that which Rabbi Yesi agrees that in the seventh hour you're allowed to bring them together, this is a proof to that. Why? Because it says over here that once it becomes moldy, you're allowed to burn it together with the tamay stuff, right? According to a mayor, even if it wasn't moldy, you'd be allowed to burn it together with the tamay stuff. So why do we have to say that once it becomes moldy, you can burn it together with the tamay bread? Because it's on Pesach. And even so, Reb Yesi only permits because it has already become moldy. Shani Hassam, the Afra Ba'almahu. He says that once it's already become moldy and it's no longer edible for humans, Afra Ba'alma, it's just like dust. And therefore, there's no status. And therefore, there's no concern that you're making it ritually impure because it no longer has the status of food at all. If so, my might. Then what do you mean? He agrees, right? What is what what's Rabbi Yaisi saying that um? What is Rabbi Yaisi saying that that um that Rabbi Eliezer agrees to? One second, let me see Rashi. So if indeed it's true that that Rameir learns his position from Rebbe Hanina in the first place of the Mishnah, right? 
So then what is, what's Rabbi Yaisi trying to say that made Rabbi Eliezer to Rabbi Yeshua? What does that have to do with anything? He's not learning from Rabbi Yeshua anymore. Now he's learning from Achinus Kanak Yehanim. This is what Rabbi Yaisi is saying to him. <clears throat> Even according to Yeshua, who is Mekel, who is lenient about mixing together Chuma, Mea, and Tahira. He Mekel, but Tuya Utmea. When is he lenient? He's only lenient when it is something that is in a state of uncertainty and it's something that is in a state of certainty. But where something is already ritually impure and something that is not yet ritually impure, maybe he doesn't agree. Maybe he says you can't mix them together. If so, that Ramea is really indeed now flipping back and Ramea indeed learns from the position of Reb Chanina's Kanakehanim. Then why, why are we saying that it's not comparable? It's perfectly comparable. It's exactly the same thing, right? In other words, in the sixth hour of the day, the Chametz is only forbidden <laughs> on a rabbinic level. So according to Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yehsi already allows you to burn it in the seventh hour when it's already forbidden on a Torah level. When does he not allow you to burn it? Only in the, in the sixth hour, it's not yet forbidden on a Torah level, right? So, he does not distinguish between something which is tame and something which is forbidden for a different reason, right? So if Hanina would say that you could burn truma, which is only forbidden on a rabbinic level, together with truma that is forbidden on a Torah level, then he should permit you to, to, to burn it even with um, the truma that's forbidden on a Torah level. The case over here is like this. You're dealing with meat that had become tame from, from a, a liquid that had become tame from touching a sharet. Okay, a sharet is the highest level of tama, right? The liquid had already become tame from touching the sharet, and then that liquid touched me. But as the remeir tame, and remeir is going according to his reasoning. Why? Rabbi Yisroel tame, Rabbi Yisroel is going according to his reasoning. Remeir tame, Rabbi is going according to his reasoning. The Amar Tumas Mashkin the tame acherim derabanan, because he was of the opinion that when when mashkin, when liquids become tame and they render other things ritually impure through their tama. That's only on a rabbinic level. Says that when something has become tame from touching a liquid that touched a sharet, it actually renders it ritually impure on a Torah level. So now we're saying is a completely new thing. We're saying is like this: the secondary item that you are burning it together with is only impure on either a rabbinic level, according to a mayor, which is why it's not a problem. But according to Rabbi it was ritually impure on a Torah level, and that's why it was more problematic to burn them together with each other. Because you're burning something that's ritually impure on a Torah level, something that's ritually impure on a rabbinic level. According to Rabbi they're both ritually impure, not both ritually. One of them is not ritually impure, and one of them is ritually impure on a rabbinic level. Therefore, you can mix them together.